Hi, I'm James Randi, and you're listening to the BS Alert Show. go to the goddamn flat tax already i'm going insane with this stuff i have no idea how anything works and i don't think anyone does and i do think the government likes it everyone's off balance no one exactly knows how the system works and we just dump money into a hole and i i swear to god i was watching uh i was gonna say politically incorrect but i was watching bill maher the other night real time yeah, which Maxine Waters got on there. She's like, hey, when are you rich guys going to start paying your fair share? And I'm, I was thinking, hey, see, I paid a couple million bucks last year and I used nothing. What do you mean fair share? Welcome to the BS Alert podcast. I am your host, Pyle. And with me, as always, is Wise Girl. Hello there. And Uber Bill. Why, hello. And uh, here we are again. And... Uh, it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Awkward. Dead <laughs> air. Clearly it's been a while. <laughs> We're a little out of practice. <laughs> Today's show is all about socialism, entitlements, dun, the, go- dun, dun. the government taking care of all of us, because that's <laughs> what we're all demanding. Unless, of course, we're very good conservatives, in which case... Uh, which case take- you get $700 billion. <laughs> which case we're taking care of everybody else. <laughs> right. And uh, paying all our money in taxes and getting nothing. Nothing at all. Nope, no nothing. Roads or schools or... Fire protection or... <laughs> clean water and air. Police. National defense. <laughs> Libraries, public schools... Yeah, nothing. Nothing. I'm going to apologize in advance because we don't have an interview lined up. We actually did have an interview lined up, but we were going to get Thomas Friedman uh, for today's show, but he called the last minute, said he needed another six months. (laughs) (laughs) 
And Lennon died, apparently. I didn't know that, so we couldn't get him. Uh, I don't know when we're, this podcast is going to officially be published, but we're doing this right before the election, just a couple of days. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. Oh, please. And uh, <laughs> I, you know what? I'm not investing myself in the outcome of this. I, I, I got demoralized too much the last two elections, so I'm just not going to really think about it too much. <laughs> well, I'm, uh, I'm renewing my passport, so <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how it goes. I might do the next one by satellite. So we don't really know what, what's going to happen. Everybody kind of thinks what's going to happen, but you never know. You never know. Those rednecks in western Pennsylvania might fuck it for all of us. Or Florida, I guess, is really the the operative state right now. But anyway, there's a lot of stuff going around talking about how if Barack Obama gets elected, uh, he's going to turn the country into a socialist state. (laughs) Socialism, communism, uh, there's a lot of uh, very, very scared right-wingers that just are certain that uh, that dark-skinned Muslim is going to destroy the fabric of America. (laughs) <laughs> They're trying to figure out how to reduce their tax burden under $250,000. Yeah, yeah. All the Joe the Plumbers are just all up in arms now. <laughs> I, I'd like to know a plumber that makes two hundred and fifty grand a year. Indeed. Really. Licensed or otherwise. Because how much money do you have to make up to your arms and shit before you decide you've made enough money and you don't want to you know, be unclogging toilets anymore? Because <laughs> I figure you're getting out of the plumbing business long before you're pulling in two hundred fifty grand. Well, he's looking to. Uh, he he may make more than two fifty. He uh, he just hired some representation, so he may work some kind of circuit. Although God knows he's no public speaker, so I really don't know what the hell he's gonna do. He just he's not really a plumber. He just plays one on TV, right. <laughs> and apparently not a big fan of the taxes. He, uh, I heard that he didn't ha- he didn't even have an occupational license. Uh, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, and didn't bother to actually pay all of his taxes. Right. He had a lien. That's the American way, I think. Indeed. If you don't like something, just don't do it. So uh, one of the big things that we want to bring up is this idea of socialism where uh, the government takes care of the people and encourages laziness, which is apparently the rumor that's going around is uh, if the government gives you money that you didn't earn. Right. They're going to start some crack whore funding agency and just funnel all the money. (laughs) And uh, apparently the big problem is uh, all this talk about you know, helping America really scares a lot of conservatives because they think that the next thing you know, there's going to be a knock on the door and somebody's going to take their house and divide it into three parts and give two two of those three parts to to a Mexican family and an African family. <laughs> it, it'll be like a scene out of Dr. Shivago. I don't know. Where, where do you think we should go with this? Well, I think a definition of term is not a bad place to start. You know, welfare is a word that gets thrown around a lot. And there is no program called welfare. There, there just isn't such a program. It depends on who you are, I suppose. You know, if you get farm subsidies, some might consider that welfare because you, the government is paying you money for any of the various reasons, either not growing a crop or growing a specific crop. Okay, well, let's start off. Uh, welfare, the general term of welfare, is some kind of entitlement that's given to a group to take care of them. Presumably, initially, to help people that are having hard times so they can get back on their feet again, right? Right. Right. And then the accusation is that there's people now that have become dependent upon these handouts, and they're motivated not to improve their own condition of their own volition and instead just uh, sit at the trough and get the freebies. Right. The conservatives and the Republicans really think that if you're not making $250,000 a year, it's your own fault. You weren't trying hard enough. Right. Your bootstraps just couldn't support it or something. So they resent any more of their money going towards, I guess, helping other people. Helping the lowest of the low from keeping them from starving, I suppose, is 
I don't really think any of us are bleeding heart liberals, right? I mean, I, I, I don't want to give anybody anything that uh, is not going to work or, or you know, for it. I'm well, probably I, I sort of am. Yeah, I'm a little moist of heart, I think. I, I think that in a country <laughs> like America, um, there's no excuse for letting anybody starve to death or die from a treatable medical condition. And, and I don't care. Certainly the latter just, happens lazy. every day. All right, well, so what if, what if, you know, you run in a soup kitchen and you got these guys in there, they keep coming by. This guy is always in line to get the free soup, and you kind of see him, and it's been a month now, and you say to him, hey, we could use some help washing dishes in the back. Would you mind helping? And he says, yeah, no, I got to push my sharpened cart around the corner. I can't <laughs> do that. I mean, is that perfectly okay? That's an argument that that a lot of conservatives are are employing is making up this this imaginary guy who just likes not working, and so this imaginary guy you can assign any traits you want, and so you create this straw man who, as often as not, does not exist in any shape. Yeah, cause, well, cause if it's he doesn't such exist, a, they can find him. Yeah. It's such a cushy life, you know, eating at the soup kitchen and uh, right. pushing your shopping cart around. I think it, it speaks more of the people who are who are down on these kinds of guys, because I think if they were in this position, they would totally suck up those freebies. Like, And so they can't imagine that somebody wouldn't if they were in that position. Okay, well, let me play a little blurb for you. This, I think, may be one of the rants, and you can tell me what you, what you think of this. The government solves all its problems with one thing, money. Throw enough cash into a problem, and it'll fix itself, right? Wrong! This brings me to the topic at hand, welfare. A system designed to offer a helping hand to those who need it most. The theory was to give people enough money to get on their feet. Very humanitarian. It's nice, really, helping thy fellow man and all. But... When I look at welfare today, I see nothing but abuse on the system. For illustrative purposes, I'm going to recount to you Yutz's, and I mean that in a very polite way, a story I read of one man's experience with a welfare whore, if you will. For the record, this man works in the medical field as a doctor. <clears throat> this man who so, shall remain nameless. <laughs> a woman comes into the hospital. She's about 26 and has her two sons with her. The doctor was seeing one child for some leg braces because he has a particularly nasty type of muscular dystrophy. This particular form is, according to the doctor, pretty much a death sentence. The kid will be lucky if he lives to 20. Now, the kid is great. The doc walks around with him and talks to him, and the kid is just sweet. Then the mother says that the other son that she has with her also has the disease. Poor kids, right? But it gets even worse. Mom then says she has a third child at home who also has the disease, and she has already buried a fourth child who died from the disease. I think the phrase, what the fuck, does not quite do this situation justice. This woman was saying she had four children, all with this horrid disease, and she didn't seem to care at all. The beautiful part? The woman is on Medicaid. Now, I don't have a problem with Medicaid in itself, per se. It's actually pretty effective most of the time. Most everything is covered, so the patients get the care they need, and the doctor can get his pay most without burdening the patient directly. kind of makes it easier to talk to your doctor when his hand isn't in your pocket. But any doc can tell horror stories of guys injured at work, and because their company basically blows when it comes to important shit like, oh, insurance... So Mr. Hurt at Work over here is forced to either somehow acquire upwards of thousands of dollars or go without critical care or medical equipment. And guess who's in the waiting room right after this poor guy? Welfare Mom! 
She gets whatever the fuck she wants, and they'll always make sure you know it. Oh, yes, these women are proud of the fact that they get everything provided for them free of charge. Now, it gets better. The doctor is legally obligated to provide care to welfare mom. Most docs will tell you, on occasion, they get a good sob story. Mostly, it's bitchy, unfit mothers with anger problems who can't close their fucking legs. <laughs> okay. I'm not right. sure if the rant was really about welfare or how... It seemed yeah, like an argument It seemed like, like an argument for social much. medicine. It's what it seemed like. <laughs> yeah, it had nothing to do with welfare whatsoever. Yeah, I would be surprised if this Wouldn't doctor Wouldn't it be a Catholic woman, thing even... anyway to like not use birth control so she has to... I mean, right. what's the Catholic Church's religion. stance on a situation if you've got this horrible disease? Are you supposed Prayer. to... Prayer. That's their stance. Oh, okay. Yeah, right. yeah. How many welfare moms have got three kids with muscular dystrophy and they're crowding the emergency it's room? An interesting, it's an interesting fact. I would not be surprised at all if the doctor and this mother don't, in fact, exist. And how do you refute an argument based on an anonymous person? This seems These to be people the don't, standard don't argument exist. that we hear with the conservatives, though. Is, uh, they point to one case extreme, of abuse. One really, really extreme atypical case. Which, if there were, if there were a dozen cases like this in a year, I'd be impressed. Which, by the way, I, I statistically speaking, this welfare mom also was probably making twenty thousand dollars a week and no money down real estate too. <laughs> of course. Well, and and wait, how... wait, 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 wait. Um, here's my question. So, what would they like to do to solve this problem? Do we do we sterilize the woman? Uh, that's actually a, a politician not too far from where we sit right now proposed offering to get. Uh, Poor women's tubes tied to pay for it. They he he, he would pay for uh, for eugenics. So that's nice. So that is they that is a possibility. It is, but but that's you know. Or we could let those children die without medical care. Oh, that, that's good. That's always a good a good choice. Yeah, yeah. Not only was she in the emergency room using his taxpayer dollars, she was in the emergency room with multiple kids, presumably single. With you know no baby daddy, anywhere. she's probably ugly. Let's just say that yeah. you know probably fat. <laughs> yeah, she probably is on well, food stamps, and uh, she probably buys filet mignon. On oh yes, stamps. Right, absolutely. She drives a Cadillac. I'm yeah. sure. Indeed. And the kids have muscular dystrophy, and she's popping them out. On top of all of that, she's gloating. <laughs> she's got a kid in the emergency room that's going to die, and she's bragging about. Yeah. How she's getting free again? Yeah, these people don't exist. Well, I think there's a lot of people that are supporting McCain that this is their attitude. You know that this woman does exist, and she's taken money out of our pockets. And Barack Obama is obviously more sympathetic to the plight of these people, and so that means there's going to be more money that's going to be taken. And that's a well, serious, plus he's serious black, problem. and he's just going to give it all to the blacks, yeah. and they're going to take all of our damn money. I'd really like to see the the breakdown of who the money actually goes to. Well, I do have some facts actually about uh, about welfare. The myth that most welfare recipients are African American single women. In fact, most welfare recipients are children, and most women on welfare are in fact white. They've created this myth of of your average welfare recipient. Reagan uh, told a story about. Uh, this Cadillac queen who declared way more children than she actually had, made over $150,000, and was driving around in a Cadillac funded by taxpayers. When reporters went to find this this horrible bitch, they found out that she doesn't actually exist. 
This this was a completely made up story, uh, much like I frankly believe our 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 welfare whore from the last rant. Yeah, a lot of people receive some of these benefits in one form or another. There are plenty of white middle class, and you know it doesn't matter whether you're white or not. Your your middle class has occasionally dipped into a situation where they needed food stamps or, or unemployment yeah, payments or medical help you know the cost of medicine is is devastating and so yeah it's a frequent reason that people become instantly impoverished i'd like to talk about this notion that welfare somehow creates this nation of dependent people who can't ever get off the federal gravy train this may have been true to some extent at some point although i think most people would rather work and earn a decent living than get fairly low government handouts. But the Welfare Reform Act of 1996 effectively ended any real chance of this happening. There's currently a five-year cap on receiving federal entitlement monies. Basically, you can go on welfare if you want, but you're only going to be on it for a maximum of five years. And of course, they also Hmm. have work requirements built in as part of the program. They also put in uh, a couple of other little riders on the money so that wait, now- Wait, wait, wait. They're handing out money with conditions? <laughs> it's, crazy. it's hard to believe. They made sure that it was not available to I- illegal aliens. Hmm. They put in some clauses where if you had alcohol or drug dependency problems, you were no longer ed- eligible. Oh. So, so basically, the people who are most- in need of money to live on because they can't hold the job, <laughs> can't get it. Can't get it. Which, you know, I, I understand the impulse, but... Uh, but at least it, it, it puts welfare more in line with what, you know, you'd think would make conservatives a little happier. Yeah, but they, they never seem to be happy. No. It's everybody else's fault but their own. <laughs> what, what kills me is that very often the same people who hate welfare with a burning passion... They will take that money when it's offered. Um, after our recent uh, Gulf Coast hurricanes, <laughs> you uh, may have heard of them. Some some people who do not normally qualify for food stamps were able to get food stamps, and they were they, they lined were right lined the hell up. right up. <laughs> Absolutely, they, they did not have any problem with a handout when it was a handout they were qualified for. I, I know personally know a couple of small business owners who make well over two hundred fifty thousand dollars annually. Who first day they could, were eligible, they lined right up for food stamps. And so yeah, absolutely. If the money's there, they'll take it. But if somebody else is getting it and they're not, then that just pisses them right the hell off. And but what we're running into is uh, certain factions, political factions, are polarizing this issue and mischaracterizing it as if there's just a an overwhelming amount of minorities that are the ones that are sucking up huge amounts of our taxpayer dollars. Right. For those out there uh, that heard our um, podcast on libertarianism, we addressed the whole issue of of how a society can function in the absence of government regulation. Just to say not particularly well. Right. <laughs> it just doesn't, it's not going to work. So the, so the government has to be involved to some degree. Yeah. And the argument is over to what degree? And I guess you could say that uh, on the left, when the— On the left, you got public schools. You got medicine for everybody. Uh, you got— But see, the right suggests that the left's policies are socialist and communist. Oh, my God. 
that would be so well, on horrible. The, right, the left to have suggests the right policies of. are are heartless and uh, greedy. The idea of socialism apparently is, is supposed to be really scary, and uh, the truth of the matter is is that there's not really any true legitimate socialist country right on the planet. There's there's different little variations that are more or less socialist. Sure, but when uh, people accuse uh, the administration, either the the new one or the old one or whatever of turning the country socialist i mean the country there's socialism all over the place right sure the government you know runs some things one of the arguments that i use when i hear people online use socialism or socialism as a kind of a way of of dismissing somebody up oh, they're socialists they're them socialist policies um I, I say, get off the Internet, okay? Because the Internet is a socialist invention. It was conceived by the government, and because it was funded by the government, it's owned by the people. Indeed. Just like uh, the National Weather Service, okay? We have, we have socialized uh, weather, <laughs> weather research, right? Well, they've and, been and, fucking and, you know, there's up a, lately. There's a, there is a movement underway by corporate America to get rid of the National Weather Service which could ultimately result in something like if you want to find out, you know, where that hurricane is, you got to pay money. <laughs> right now, we can know what the temperatures are and the satellite stuff and all of that because the government does it, and it's. But we pay for it. Well, and I'm still not clear exactly what policy of Barack Obama's is socialist. Is it just he's going to make us socialist? Well, it's, he does imply that he wants health care reform. So any change to the existing system... Sure, but anybody with like four brain cells to rub together knows that we need health care reform. I mean, I guess I guess it's... it's what Even the Republicans are suggesting that. But, I mean, you know, yes, he's, he's said that he's going to raise taxes on people making more than $250,000 uh, or businesses making more than $250,000. But, I mean, is that socialism? It just seems like that's a tax policy. And everybody's got a tax policy. McCain has a tax policy. You know, we, we, we already have higher taxes for people who make more money. Right. This and, is just a matter of you know, where even, you want to put the numbers. Right. Well, see, the, the argument is that if you're successful, you get penalized more, and that's unfair. And the thing that gets me is there's so many middle-class conservative Republicans. It's not beneficial to them, but they still promote this policy. Oh, sure. They, whose taxes would go down if Barack— did in fact implement his his socialist I don't tax get, policy. I just don't get why they, you know, I mean, we do live in a society where people kind of generally just give a shit about themselves. And if it doesn't affect them, they can't be bothered with it. You know, it's like the war in Iraq is fine until, you know, one of your kids gets pulled over there and loses Indeed. a Indeed. So basically, in summary, there's this notion that the people, especially the poor people, are what's draining the government. And they're just on the dole, and they're taking advantage of all of us hardworking Americans. And now, Wise Girl, you've got some information on this, right? Right. I'd like to give you all some numbers about what percentage of the federal budget goes to Facts. what we would probably consider welfare. I'm including this pretty much all of the uh, programs that go to help people who need financial assistance, excluding Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid, and children's health insurance program that the Congress recently decided not to fund more of. They're not working hard enough, those children. This, is, this is all of 9% of the federal budget. Now, included in that 9% are many different programs, from uh, the earned income and child tax credits to the supplemental security income program, which helps poor elderly people with disabilities— Unemployment insurance, 
food stamps, subsidized school meals, low-income housing assistance, child care assistance, home heating bill assistance, and programs that aid abused and neglected children. I'd like to see the Republicans all suggest that you know we, we shouldn't help abused and neglected children because they should pull themselves up by their own bootstraps. You're such it. a Marxist. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Nine percent, huh? Nine percent. Well, obviously, that's breaking the bank. Well, of course. Ten billion dollars a month in Iraq. Uh, that's that's t- totally cool. But uh, that's two hundred and fifty-four billion dollars. So mm-hmm. it it costs well, not more than the cumulative cost of of the war in Iraq, certainly, but a good quarter of that. Huh? And how much are we spending on defense? On defense, we are spending twenty-one percent, and that is uh, five hundred and ninety billion, Whew. of which approximately one hundred and twenty-five billion went to support operations in Iraq and Afghanistan. Now, I'm not sure whether that includes Supplemental funding spending. for the war that was done off budget. Yeah, which they, they, they do a lot. They've of been that. doing a lot of that lately. Yeah, and also, uh, I would imagine it's not it doesn't every count year. All of the, that. Every year, the funding changes slightly, but generally speaking, the welfare programs are under ten percent. Defense budget is usually at least double that, and you know. That for every abuse of every quote unquote welfare queen that that exists, there's equal and much more rampant and expensive abuse in the defense industry as far as wasting taxpayers' dollars. Uh, well, also for programs that will never see the light of day. I like the millions that were you know somehow lost somewhere in Iraq. Right. Nobody well, knows where the money went. Let's but talk it's about gone something now. else. The, the <laughs> ten, almost ten percent of the budget now is just interest on the debt. Oh, yeah, and that's getting bigger all the time. So that's almost that as big 9%. as all the entitlements. Well, the, the point I'm making is that we're paying as much on these kind of personal entitlements as we are on interest, and right, that's going nothing. nowhere. That's yeah. for nothing. Yeah. So, well, it's for past spending beyond our means. Right. But it's not, gener- it's not doing anything for us except maybe keeping somebody from calling us, harassing us for the, for the paying. <laughs> how, do you, how do you turn that over to John's, collections, you know? <laughs> Who makes those calls? You get a big, the, yeah, a big red envelope shows up at the White House. I have a couple of other interesting figures in relation to that. Hmm. Um, I have a nice graph here. Uh, As you know, the, the budget was, was <laughs> the balanced. The podcast was a visual medium. The, the budget was balanced, and we were actually running a surplus. Uh, that was when that socialist Clinton was in charge, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, so where are we spending all the money that makes the difference? You know, why are there deficits now when there weren't oh, in the year 2000? That is interesting. Well, here's where most of the changes that are giving us a deficit come from. Those tax cuts, 47% of the existing deficit. Wow. Uh, defense, homeland security, and international payments, like, you know, that whole rebuilding Iraq thing, 38 Which is going great. I got it. I hear that. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, they've got gun control and they've got me- socialized medicine. <laughs> 38%. Uh, entitlements are actually responsible for 9% of really? that difference. So the Bush administration actually... Gave some money, some more money to entitlements? Well, we have more poor people now. Oh, that's that's the one. Well, yeah, when you have more people in poverty, it, it, it means that, more entitlements. That list is getting longer every day. Regarding entitlement, you know, the conservatives rant about welfare. But there does seem to be one issue that, that Republicans and Democrats that I have talked to all agree on, which is corporate welfare is a big problem. Ooh. But it just doesn't seem to make the media 
as much as, you know, some little uh, minority welfare mom in the ER. It's harder I to think... paint a, a picture of the corporate welfare queen with his Cadillacs. Right. ExxonMobil just can't stop spreading its legs. Yeah, <laughs> right. How much money are we giving farmers to not farm? Oh, I wish a I A lot. You know, how much money are we giving to various corporations in the form of tax breaks and things like well, that? And then these corporations are turning around and moving their business overseas or to farm, Mexico. The farm subsidy system is currently $25 billion a year. Oh, that's a spicy meatball. For instance, the oil industry, <laughs> this quarter, they actually, uh, ExxonMobil posted the largest quarterly profits of any corporation ever in the history of the world. The previous record, of course, was held by uh, ExxonMobil. <laughs> in the uh, previous quarter. Right. And, and well, the last year. There's nothing wrong with making profits, right? There's nothing wrong with making profits. But the oil industry in 2007 received $2.1 billion in handouts from the government. The, the government gave them that money back, mostly in the, in the form of tax breaks. And they proposed to do even more. So in other words, the oil companies are making tons of money and they're also getting huge tax breaks. Yeah, for nothing. Uh, there were some provisions in the Energy Policy Act of 2005, which large portions of which were written by the oil industry. Uh, Cheney brought a bunch of his friends uh, from his Halliburton days to the White House in 2001, and they just kind of pounded out an energy policy. And, and as, as you might expect, it's, it is quite generous uh, in terms of tax breaks and loopholes. Uh, without actually requiring very much, uh, the the provision uh, there was a provision for changing the mileage. You no, know, that was the cafe yeah, standards, the, the, right? For cars, uh, but that one didn't that one didn't pass. It has subsequently passed. Mileage is being raised, uh, the minimum mileage requirements rather. But anyway, if we close some of these tax loopholes, we could recover from the Energy Advancement and Investment Act, which didn't pass. We could have recovered twenty five point nine billion dollars. There's another $26 billion, mostly stemming from uh, royalties and, uh, and other tax breaks that we could recover in 10 years. So we could get back $51.3 billion in the next 10 years if we close tap tax loopholes for the oil and natural gas industry, uh, industries that are not suffering at all. And also, these are the same industries that are now trying to get the government to open up more areas for them to drill, and they've got plenty of areas, leases that they have right now that they're not drilling on. So they're acting like the quintessential mythological welfare mom. <laughs> with Give know, me more. Yeah, they've, they've, they're doing quite well. They're getting lots of handouts, and they're still talking like they need more. If you want to talk about more of those kinds of things, another form of welfare is our foreign aid. And uh, we give a lot of money to various countries. Actually, we give 1% of the federal budget on all international non-security related aid. 1%. And uh, let's, and here's a little snippet about the, probably the biggest piece of that. Everything that Israel does in the occupied territories, U.S. taxpayers are paying for the U.S. gives the financing, it gives the military support. I like the scary music. Israel uh, receives as much foreign economic assistance as all the countries combined in the world. Combined in the world. <laughs> yes, that's a Noam Chomsky. Is this a remix? I'm talking about this. And um, there's a little graphic. It says total aid from the United States from 1949 to 1996 was $62 billion. That's to the, to the rest of the world. Wow, that includes the Marshall Plan. Okay. Holy shit. And 
that equals the same amount of money in the same time that they gave to Israel. Okay, now you want to compare the populations between Israel and, say, the rest of the world. Just to illustrate, Israel's population is 5.8 million people. Combined with the population of the entire rest of the world that received aid from America. And uh, that population... Want to take a guess? A lot. 1.05 billion. Jeez. Okay, just to put things in perspective a little bit. So the U.S. aid dollars spent per person in Israel, $10,775 per person versus U.S. aid money spent towards for, per person everywhere else in the world, $59. <laughs> Although everywhere, most other places in the world, $58 is a, that's a pretty <laughs> yeah, hefty chunk of change. So. <laughs> but uh, Israel receives one-third of, of all of the, the aid. Interesting. It's just, it's crazy. <laughs> we here at BS Alert, of course, are not anti-Israel, and we are certainly not praying for the death of Israel. They're also one of the most powerful lobbyist groups in the world, and obviously that's probably because of this money that we're giving the country. Yeah, second only to the NRA. I think AIPAC is number one, and then an NRA is number two, or it's the other way around. Huh. But there's more atheists in the United States than there are Jews. Yet the Jews have... Where's the, our money? <laughs> the Jews well, have we don't have a like country, this I guess, monster the lobby, mainly because of, on average, we're, you know, we're giving anywhere from 2 to $3 billion a year to the nation of Israel. Interesting. But that money is not going anywhere. You're not going to get any reduction in that amount of money. Right, because uh, they've got a very, very powerful lobby. The point <laughs> I'm making is that there's all kinds of welfare, and we are giving welfare to Israel. Sure. You know, now... Uh, whether it's right or not is irrelevant. The point I'm making is that if people are complaining about misuse of taxpayer money, we're giving them tremendous amounts of money. Yeah, everybody gets be, money. could be spent directly in the country uh, doing good. And, of course— Or in countries that need it more right. Darfur, just to keep or, their for population alive. Sure. Right, right. Congo. The United States has got a long and rich history of welfare to— not poor people, but rich people in big companies. And uh, I found this song, which I thought was kind of interesting. This is by Arlo Guthrie with lyrics by Tom Paxton. And it was written several years ago when the, when, uh, the country bailed out Chrysler. Remember that? <laughs> and, oh, those heady days. Yeah, and here's how this goes. I guess. Oh, the price of gold is rising out of sight. And the dollar is in sorry. And this could have been tonight. could have been written yesterday. <laughs> Absolutely. But the dollar used to get us. Now won't buy a head of lettuce. No, the economic forecast didn't write. But amidst the clouds, I spot a shining ray. I can even glimpse a new and better way. And I've devised a plan of action. Worked it down to the last fraction. And I'm going into action here today. I am changing my name to Chrysler. I am going down to Washington, D.C. I will tell some power broker what they did. Iacocca will be perfectly acceptable to me. Standing with my hand out, yes, sir, I'll get 
When my creditors are screaming for their dough, I'll be proud to tell them all where they can go. They won't have to scream and holler, they'll be paid to the last dollar. Where the endless dreams of money seem to flow, I'll be glad to tell them all what they can do. It's a matter of a simple form or two. It's not just remuneration, it's a liberal education. Ain't you kinda glad that I'm in debt to you? Cause I'm changing my name to Chrysler. Even if Tom didn't write the rest of the song, it'd be worth it just for that line. Let's, let's just do it again for me. You can sing along, too. It's when the first, since the first amphibians crawled out of the slime of the slime. <laughs> Goes like that. Since the first amphibians crawled out of the slime of the slime We've been struggling in an unrelenting climb We were hardly up and walking before money started talking and it's sad that failure is an awful crime Well, it's been that way for a millennium or two But now it seems that there's a different point of view If you're a corporate titanic And your failure is gigantic Down in Congress there's a safety net for you So I'm changing That's what Here's I love. Mine. I'm changing my name to to Shearson Lehman. Yeah, now you'd have to change it to Daimler Chrysler. That's you know this administration has overseen uh, huge ballooning deficits, some of the largest spending increases in history, or if not the largest spending increases in history, uh, decries entitlements, promotes personal responsibility, and then when a bunch of greedy people who weren't regulated because the administration is also anti-regulation when they choke on their own on their own bad decisions then the government's like oh well you know it sucks but sure here's mo- almost three times what we spend annually on actual entitlements for you with very few if any strings attached you know i don't know anybody who's in favor of this big bailout too 
I mean, Democrats and Republicans. Well, then why is I mean, it this happening? Is certainly a nonpartisan thing. Well, because obviously the politicians, they just do what they want to do. It's all about money to them. Well, there, there's also also the whole too big to fail thing. Sure. Well, how about the American people? Are they too big to fail? Are any of y'all in favor of that thing? I think it's probably economically necessary. I but think I think the, its implementation stupid. is terrible. Why I is think... it economically necessary? Did you see what happened in the market when it looked like it wasn't going to pass? The market went back up. Then after it passed, the, the stock market... market is not the economy. Yeah, I mean, those idiots, They if if, if Bernanke sneezes in front of Congress, they, then they have a big sale. But I just think there have been a lot of, there was probably some companies that were, were solvent that said, okay, I'm going to keep my eye on, you know, Bear oh Stearns, sure, to, uh, and to- maybe we'll we'll cherry pick them, and so maybe there was some opportunities there that people were looking for in the ashes of these failed companies that should have. Failed. Oh, there there were, there certainly were, but but here's the thing: if you let as many financial institutions go under as probably would have gone under, it would have had serious repercussions for the rest of the economy. How many would have gone under though? That this is the big nebulous question that nobody seems to know. They like nobody knows what the value of the bad notes are. The yeah, apparently notes. it's like three times the entire global uh, domestic product. I don't, I don't, I just don't it's believe that. <laughs> it's ultimately just a huge corporate welfare. It's just giving money to corporations. Uh, it is, and I would like to see a lot more conditions put. A whole on that lot money. more conditions. I, I love the way that many of the companies are using their bailout. To buy other failing companies. Yeah. What the fuck? They're supposed to be lending money and See, instead they're this just- is why I contend it's not as bad as they set it out to be. Because if it really was that bad, they would have to be deploying this money a little bit more responsibly. In, and that's not what we're seeing. And here's something else. There's now talk that this bailout might not be constitutional. And uh, listen to this. They gave the okay to shell out $700 billion in taxpayer money to help bail out the ailing Wall Street financial firms, but now leaders of both parties are voicing concerns about how the money's being spent. They're worried that billions of dollars are possibly being used on things that like executive bonuses and raises, and they could be. But was the government unconstitutionally allowed to spend our money on the bailout in the first place? Could they do it under the Constitution? According to the writing of an op-ed in the Wall Street Journal today, which is owned by the parent company of this network, which was written by Fox News senior judicial analyst Judge Andrew Napolitano, presidents and lawmakers in the United States have sort of played with the Constitution for years, almost since day one, as a matter of fact. Meet the judge. He's with us now. None of this constitutional in your estimation. No. In my estimation, it's not. And, and I'm not surprised because, as you indicated, going all the way back, it was starting actually with John Adams. Washington was pretty faithful to it. It was brand new. He thought it should be interpreted literally. The Congress and the president have gradually expanded and expanded and expanded the things they regulate. It's very difficult for you or me or anybody watching us now to find something within the immediate range of where they are that is not regulated by the federal government, even though it's not mentioned in the Constitution. So he's suggesting uh, there's too much regulation? No, he, he's suggesting that any practically everything that the federal government does now Isn't is not in. constitutional, which... It so, may not be directly, specifically, but, you know, this is the same kind of argument that suggests that taxation is unconstitutional. We are not going to get rid of this bailout or any of the other things that are yeah. not directly <laughs> mentioned in the Constitution by this guy's say-so. Mm-hmm. Right. 
Uh, when Congress, when uh, Secretary Paulson went running to the Congress last month, saying the sky is going to fall if you don't give me the seven hundred and fifty billion, without oversight, the constitutional argument was not made. The only argument that you was, made it right here on well, the set. Well, you, you and I made it. It wasn't made on the floor of the of the House of the Senate. The only argument but was his argument how much money no, should we give to him, it's all and what kind of controls should we have on it? Now that they gave him the seven hundred and fifty, and instead of loaning it to yeah, banks, I mean, what the hell are we going to do? We're going to take it to the Supreme like, Court, and then we're going to get all the money back and loan from it out to people, to businesses, and other from banks, all these banks. Like they did in Great Britain, right? Instead, the banks. So this is what the congressmen are upset about this morning. The banks took the money and paid vendors and creditors and people to whom they owed money. What a they job. took tax dollars and used it for their own private welfare, forbidden by the Constitution. So that's not forbidden by the Constitution. Not forbidden, but it certainly is welfare, isn't it? It oh, certainly yeah. is welfare. It's and it's apparently welfare. required if we're going to save our economy. So, and, and frankly, it serves exactly the same purpose that welfare was designed to have. The final to safety allow, net. To allow a failing enterprise, whether that be a family or a business, to get back on its feet so it doesn't collapse and fail entirely. And hopefully in the future can be a productive member of society. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, but uh, like it's funny because the conservatives don't want poor people to get welfare without performance clauses and regulation and guarantees and limitations. Uh, it looks like we passed this and we didn't really put a whole lot of performance clauses or regulations. Or on Very it, few. Right? Yeah, they could just use it as normal operating money. And now that's what people are complaining about. And, and rightly so. So there's all kinds of welfare going on. And well, obviously we need some reform. But we're not going to get reform without regulation. And regulation oh. seems to be a four-letter word. Because as soon as you mention regulation, it's like... Oh, wait, wait, slow down there. Communism. <laughs> so it's just exhausting. It's exhausting to try to even think about uh, things getting better. On that positive note... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go kill myself. If I could afford a bullet, I would... <laughs> This seems to be a recurring theme. We like we dive into something and then we all just get so depressed we just start <laughs> drinking. <laughs> Dude, I should invest in booze. I bet you booze is doing very well. Somebody told me, you know, we were talking about the gold standard, right? And 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 how gold is ar of arbitrary value. You know, and I was thinking, well, if the monetary system collapses, what would you what could you put your money into that would hold its value and booze. Booze. Right. Booze. Uh, you know, hey, it's worked for Cindy McCain. <laughs> <laughs> but it doesn't necessarily go bad, you know, depending upon what kind of booze you get. Indeed. It makes you feel better. And it seems like the worse things are, the more the demand is. Exactly. Absolutely. It's the real opiate for the mess. And you could probably burn it in your car eventually, too. <laughs> so that might not be a bad idea. You heard it first on BSAlert.com. Can you go stock up on vodka? <laughs> uh, be sure to visit us on the web, www.bsalert.com. Um, search BS Alert on iTunes, and our podcast is up there. And uh, until next time, toodaloo. Whereas the 